Welcome to the discussion on the road to multi-cloud and hybrid cloud success, managing security and complexity, sponsored by Splunk. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. My guest today is Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Juliana, always great to catch up. Same with you, Jason. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. A common refrain over the last five years or so, maybe a little longer, maybe a little shorter, when it comes to cloud computing is that securing applications and data is a shared responsibility. Agencies cannot set it and leave it, so to speak. Now for agency leaders to understand how best to secure the cloud, they need both the data and a strategy that prioritizes mission critical systems and information. It's clear that the chief information security officers and other agency security leaders must have the right tools and processes to ensure the transition to cloud services happens quickly, but also safely. Agencies must get the security right because the move to the cloud is not slowing down. Dell Tech, the market research firm, expects civilian agencies to spend more than $2.1 billion on cloud services this year alone. Dell Tech found that agencies are using more cloud-based cyber tools, and this includes data encryption, continuous monitoring, multi-layer defenses, and identity and access management among the most popular tools and, and software services. So how can agencies successfully and securely move to the cloud? How, can the last, how has the last year really changed in the necessity of secure cloud services? Well, once again, that's where my guest comes in. Juliana Vita is the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. We know everything that's happened 2020, we don't need to go through the, the pandemic and the acceleration to cloud, but now that agencies have been there, they've maybe take a half a step back and say, okay, what worked, what didn't, what kind of results are they seeing? Is this cloud thing, so to speak, after 10 years uh, popular? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I'm glad we're at the point where we don't have to rehash everything that, you know, we've learned over the last year. But yes, the cloud thing is popular. Yes, agencies are are talking openly about the benefits, you know, that they saw. A lot are talking about the, um, the success with remote work and the success with delivering remote services, healthcare, for example. Um, but what people are doing now is beginning, they're taking a bit of a step back and saying, okay, did we get it right? Uh, particularly the security aspect. Because unfortunately, um, what, we, what we know just from talking to customers and anecdotally is that several agencies, uh, quite a bit of, of the government, did what they had to do. Like they, had, they basically did a lift and shift, we say, from legacy, old, hard to sustain environment to got to move to the cloud. And they did that. Uh, but it's like moving into a new house. You, you leave your old house that you've lived in forever. Let's say you've raised your family there and you collected all this stuff. Um, you know where everything is, sort of, it's up in the garage, and then you move it to a new house, and you say, ah, we'll go through all that junk later. And so now is the going all through the junk part. You know, now is the, and you know what I mean, I don't mean junk, but um, now it's the time for the reckoning. It's the time for the application rationalization that perhaps wasn't done. It's the time to realize, wow, the world has changed and the attack surface has grown and is unmanageable, and people are talking about zero trust and can't trust anybody. Ooh, we didn't think about that, you know, when we when we moved all of our stuff from legacy to cloud. So we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of rethinking of the security frameworks, the security architectures. And I'll tell you, I think that's a good thing that agencies are thinking about that, that they're not okay with just, now let's just leave all the data there and, and, and we'll just move on into the future. We're seeing them take the time to be intentional to talk with their industry partners, to talk with their peers in government. What's working? What didn't work? How can we fix things moving forward? So that that is really positive. Um, it, it's good to see that a lot of the good that has come through this year and, and still happening through the pandemic, a lot of that good is being turned into even more good. But I, I would say that this, uh, this application rationalization and the security piece are probably the two 
big factors that we see people looking at in terms of did they make the right um, kind of investment or the right kind of move into a hybrid cloud environment? I recently covered a Senate Homeland Security Governmental Affairs hearing on cybersecurity. And one of the things that came up time again was, and you mentioned this zero trust, this idea of understanding move away. It's not just that buzzword of zero trust and really relook at architectures. So maybe let me start there at the architecture piece. And, and we don't want to bore people too much, so we won't go into the deep discussion of, of enterprise architectures and reference architectures and, and the like. But is, is that just the network itself that they're starting to look at, how it's configured? Or what, what do you mean architecture? Maybe give me just a little bit of a high level definition. Sure, so you make a really good point. When I say architecture, I don't mean just the reference architecture. Let, let's use the word um, framework. Framework in your mind, framework in your programming, framework in your policy, all of that with respect to security and zero trust is under revision. Just the way, the way we generally used to think of protecting our information as being this uh, castle and moat you know, if I just build a build a deeper moat or I build a, a, a stronger wall, um, you know, hackers won't be able to get in. Uh, no, you know, those days are over. And uh, so now it is physical security, perhaps, but there's also security of every user, every person, every device, every wireless access point, every uh, tool that you bring into your environment at the data layer has to be untrusted, untrusted until you can verify who it or uh, who it is or what it is and whether it needs access to data. So that's what I, when I say architecture, I, yeah, I suppose I use the wrong word <laughs> because this is for all people, all citizens and workers and people who interact with our public sector, which is all of us, um, whether we're consuming services or delivering them, we need to be thinking beyond the, well, I better change my password from one, two, three, four, five to something else. That's old, that's the old days, you know, that's kindergarten. We, the world unfortunately has graduated us up into a place where we need to be thinking about, you know, my wireless access, my wireless provider, are they providing enough security for my access point and the guests that I allow into my network at home? And, uh, oh, what about this new gadget that my teenager wants to plug into my, you know, USB port? Um, that, that's what I mean by we all need to be thinking about security because I think the world has learned by now there are enough bad actors out there looking for that precious data because it, it is precious and it, precious in terms of they can sell it, you know, they can, uh, they can use it for ransomware, get money from us. There are plenty of bad people out there and bad actors whose capabilities have gone beyond our ability to just manage it like we used to, you know, with, with, um, with tight cyber hygiene principles, for, for example, or cyber good cyber hygiene in the home. So now we, we all need to really be thinking about um, how do we leverage technology to help us keep the bad guys out, you know, keep the bad guys and the bad assets from getting at our data because it's no longer protected by a wall, uh, firewall or otherwise. Or, or at the very least know that breach is going to happen. So how do you protect your most high value assets and work down? Hey, if they want my, you know, uh, first name, but nothing else about me, they can have all my first names they want, which yeah. kind of leads us down the path of, of as the complexity of these cloud environments continue, because you're in this hybrid world, and, and I think agencies will be in the hybrid world for the long term, there's a visibility, there's a control. Why has this been so difficult to achieve? Yeah, well, it was already difficult to achieve before the pandemic. So think back to when we were talking only about an agency was considering, should we go to cloud or not? Should we make the investments um, and, and kind of wean ourselves off of legacy um, sustainment and move to cloud? Well, I mean, some 
agencies figured that out a while ago and said, yes, it's time for us to make the investment and they moved. Um, but now it's even hard, it's become even harder during the pandemic because it was like a forcing, the pandemic was a forcing function function, and it made agencies um, and service, service providers do those things faster. And that was maybe you were thinking about one cloud or moving to one cloud provider. Well, now there are more cloud providers on the scene. There are different capabilities that you might want to tap into. Um, there are a lot of benefits from a hybrid cloud environment. How about no vendor lock-in? You know, maybe you're making the decision that we don't want to just go with this company or that vendor because maybe they're not around five years from now. So all of those factors have created an even more complex environment of not only do we go to cloud, but which one or ones do we leverage? So that that alone is enough complexity. But, you know, Jason, we know that the average agency actually has 7.3 different clouds. They're in a multi-cloud um, management situation, 7.3. Why? Because there's some commercial cloud. There's some, maybe there's multiple commercial cloud. There's on-prem, you know, technology that they're still using or government created cloud type of environments. And when you start to stitch all of those together, what becomes very clear, and you use the word, Jason, is the visibility, not just within each of those environments, but across those environments. And I don't think this is a, is going to be a shocker to anybody, but Every cloud vendor is not really keen on helping you manage your data when you move it into another vendor's cloud environment. Um, some of them do, I might know one, but many of them do not. And so that makes it even harder. Um, but still the benefits of cloud far outweigh the risks of, of just staying on-prem um, and keeping those legacy technologies just sustained. And I like to use the, the words, uh, you know, just putting electrical tape around those old wires, eventually, you're going to run out of electrical tape or it's going to get really expensive because no one makes it anymore or you're going to start a fire and you're going to have to you're going to cause some real damage and you're going to have to modernize so yes it's complex but that doesn't mean it's not worth it it doesn't mean it's not worth the investment that's amazing 7.3 different clouds i, I talked yeah. with uh, a couple of cios recently who brought this up that fact is that they want to not necessarily reduce the number of clouds, but better manage the clouds that they're in and maybe look at, okay, do we have software X running on cloud Y and cloud Z? And maybe they could just run on cloud Y, but something else could run on cloud Z. So, so I think there is that rationalization starting. So how can agencies kind of, and, and what's the role of the security team in that rationalization effort? Right. Um, Good. I'm glad you're hearing this from others. I mean, this is this is just what's happening in, in the real world is this is this management of multi-cloud. For security teams, I think we, we can't stop talking about the importance of embedding security in with all the other business or mission functions across an agency. Are you, we hear the terms all the time. You can't bake security in, or I mean, you can't bolt security in you, you, on. You have to bake it in. Well, that's not just the technology. That's the people. That's bringing security people into conversations about investments or policy or how we're going to upskill the workforce because security is table stakes. You know, we just cannot, agencies and organizations cannot be talking about mission execution without in the next breath talking about and who's keeping it secure and how are we monitoring and who's going to make sure that there's, you know, if we do, if there's a hack tomorrow, then we can quickly, quickly isolate that and, and move on to execute our mission. Um, it's a new world. It just It's a new way of thinking across the federal government that the security stuff matters to everyone. Um, you know, and, and it's unfortunate that often the conversation turns to, well, how much is it going to cost? Well, just like anything that's worth any, you know, that has any value, it will cost money. But it's like I said, it's worth the investment. So I'll use the DOD example. Um, you know, inside the Pentagon, there's 
conversations all the time about the budgets and who's going to get the money for this program and that program. Everyone knows that military hardware is expensive. An aircraft carrier is expensive. And so people might argue about how much money or how many aircraft carriers, but no one's asking, yeah, but do we really need to make the investment in an aircraft carrier? Is it really a smart investment to, to build another aircraft carrier? No, people generally don't talk about that because they know it's valuable. So we need to get there with security too, is to stop asking whether it's worth it and to begin asking, how are we gonna make sure that it's um, embedded in everything that we buy or do or build or provide in the public sector? Because um, if we don't, we're gonna to continue to have you know, the oil pipeline hack that happened or the solar winds or the name your, you know, name your major um, headline grabbing incident that happens that has to do with cybersecurity. Well, the good news is Congress is starting to get that message. I know Congressman Katko, the ranking member of the Homeland Security Committee, talked about making this a billion-dollar agency. I was just the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee is talking about how can we help you more. So there, it seems like people are starting to listen. Well, Julian, on that note, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion on the road to multi-cloud and hybrid cloud success, managing security and complexity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. Technology advances like cloud, mobile, and microservices are transforming the public sector to deliver services as efficiently as commercial businesses and do so with a remote workforce. To ensure resiliency and manage enterprise risk better, agencies are encouraged to adopt a new model called Zero Trust that emphasizes continuous monitoring for access validation. Splunk can help agencies get started with their Zero Trust initiative, increase confidence in access decisions, and better manage risk. Learn how at splunk.com slash public sector. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion on the road to multi-cloud and hybrid cloud success, managing security and complexity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Juliana, before break, we talked a little bit about this idea of multi-cloud and, and the complexity that comes with it. And you, you made this comment about agencies need to rethink how they approach security. And that's not new, but, but this idea of moving away from the you know, castle mode approach. Uh, you know, everyone loves defense in depth. That has gotten a bad rap over the years. And and one of the things that I heard recently from uh, CISA is this move, and they're going to use some of the money from the American Rescue Plan to really get toward the ed edge devices, really to get more security tools, sensors, collect the data from these edge devices. And I think that goes back to something you said: the end-to-end -end visibility. It, it seems like with all this technology we're using, and 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 now that through CDM, for instance continuous diagnostics and mitigation program, they're supposed to know what's on their network. So why is the invisibility still so hard after all these years? <laughs> well, that's a million dollar question. It, it, it is true. It remains a challenge across the industry, across the government. Uh, as we were, we were talking before, you know, it was hard enough before the pandemic and before multi-cloud environments became de rigueur as, you know, to turn a phrase, but now it's not just within an environment, but across multiple different environments that agencies need to know where their data is, know what's happening from end to end. Um, the phrase used to be, you can't secure what you can't see. Well, that's true. You can't secure it. You also can't manage it. You can't predict what it's going to do. You, you know, you, you, you can't, um, you can't manage it as you would manage any other valuable asset. You know, would we be okay with our financial, you know, organizations not knowing where the money is coming from and going? No. And we shouldn't be okay with organizations and agencies not not having that kind of oversight, control, governance, um, predictability with their data either, because data has become as valuable, if not more valuable, than tangible financial assets. You know, in the uh, in the public sector. Um, so. But, and it is complex. Now, fortunately, 
technology has certainly kept up. It has certainly matured over the last, uh, well, it matures every day, but really over the last couple of years, the last decade. So the questions we, that the government public sector used to ask about, oh, but is the technology secure enough, secure enough that we can trust it? Yes. Is the technology scalable enough to manage this huge agency? Yes. You know, so a lot of those old questions, we can kind of move beyond. And now it's just a matter of getting people to think differently, to be thinking about um, all the other aspects of what it means to have end-to-end -end visibility. And I'll touch quickly on the workforce again, not necessarily just upskilling people and, and making them more data literate per se, but your actual security teams, they, can, they can't keep up. You know, they, they just, we've, you've probably heard the term alert fatigue. You know, uh, one of my colleagues, who's one of our brilliant uh, engineers in security, Katie Brown, talks about security's job being like playing a game of where's, where's Waldo? You know, looking at the screen and just looking for the red because you can't find it or everything is red. You know, it's hard to find what the problem really is. So you've got burnout. You've got, you know, people are going to make mistakes. Um, so when we talk about end-to-end -end visibility, of data and how it relates to security that's not just the technology that that we're saying you need to modernize and and bring your systems up to speed so that they can so you can have better visibility of your data but it's also the people because they just humans just can't manage it anymore the volume of data is just too great to put it on the shoulders of those analysts um and you know to keep them functioning the way that we need them to be functioning you didn't say the special magic words i'm i'm, I'm a little depressed here ai ml <laughs> intelligent automation, right? Predictive analytics, you fill in the buzzword blank here. Uh, and, and I'm kidding here, but but really that's what you're also pointing toward is that you can't upskill, reskill enough people. You can't hire enough people. So how do you go through the data? You have to have better tools. And, and, yeah. and obviously that's uh, something that Splunk does, but but a lot of other companies do as well. So how do, how do you parse through that data to find the, if you will, the needle and the needle of needles? Yeah, right. It, exactly. And you said the words, I didn't have to, but I'm going to add two more in there. And that's automation and orchestration. So if you're not familiar, if your listeners aren't familiar with what that is, uh, essentially, it is like running playbooks, just like athletes do, you know, in, in sports, instead of um, the quarterback telling each person where they need to go, they run the play and they say, run the green player, you know, however they do it. And then people go off and do their thing. Well, in, in software, there's the same concept, you know, that if, um, a certain a known security vulnerability is noticed in the system somewhere, then it automatically trips a play of automatic responses from the software. I mean, just imagine that alone, taking away some of that fatigue from the analysts so that they can actually focus on the stuff that maybe that the, the data doesn't capture, you know, or maybe that requires an additional level of human interaction of, that just doesn't look right, or that doesn't seem right to me. Um, there is still a lot of stuff that the human brain and the human um, psyche can do that these advanced um, digital technologies can't do. So let's give people the tools that they that can help them do what they are really skilled at doing, which, what human beings are skilled at doing. So automation and orchestration can't. Um, I can't talk too much about the value there, but you're right about all those other advanced capabilities. I will. Bring us back though, Jason, to all of those capabilities rely on data. There has to be enough um, 
trusted data coming in from any source, any format, wherever it's coming in from, but there has to be enough data coming in to allow those advanced capabilities to actually work. Um, I often refer to the RoboCop scenario, you know, when the AI system, when the AI goes bad, think RoboCop, you know, when, when the all the right data or enough data isn't coming in, then the system it, that's trained doesn't have enough to go on and bad things can happen. So, Getting back to you mentioned at the beginning of the segment, would having a data strategy or being able to you know manage a data strategy that informs a cloud strategy, that cannot be forgotten. When we talk about these advanced capabilities, we can't forget about what the underlying asset is, and that's the data, of course. That also segues well to the bigger challenge, which is why are you why are, why are we talking about this? It's not just because security is important, which it obviously is. But it's really the, the path that agencies need to go down to get toward IT modernization, to really transform the way they do business, the way they meet their mission. And, and that's where this complexity, the security, all this all comes together to realize really the bigger promise of, of, of this transformation. Is that starting to happen? Are you starting to see some results that agencies are driving toward? Yeah, and I, I think that's because there has been um, just an explosion in the openness and transparency of agency leaders talking about what they've tried, what's working, how they're partnering with other agencies, uh, inside agencies, the sub agencies, you know, there, there used to be, and there still is to some degree, a whole lot of siloed, my data, not going to share it, not going to help you. Um, there's a lot less of that these days. And that is, that is really meaningful because you may not know where the data is flowing all across your environment, where it's coming from, where it's going to. But when you just start opening and trusting other parts of your own agency or your own government to share data and to be sharing best practices, um, there's a lot less of the that old um, the finger pointing, you know, which happens when there's, a, think back to, you know, just a couple of years ago um, before there was more modernization that's been happening in the last couple of years. So let's say that there was a breach at some agency. Well, what happens? Oh, well, let's set up a war room. Okay, then somebody from each department, um, mostly in IT or the office of the CIO, they go in that room and they shut the door and they all point fingers at, at each other. They say, oh, it was the network people or, oh, it was the, you know, the, the patching people. Oh, it was the security people. And they waste time and energy trying to figure out whose fault it was that could be used actually fixing it or mitigating it or figuring out how to, you know, move beyond and, um, you know, kind of get back to the mission. Well, when you allow a data platform and these advanced technologies we were talking about with AI and ML and automation orchestration, when you allow that data to do the work, uh, we call it, at Splunk, we call it finding mean time to innocence. You know, you can now stop pointing fingers at each other because you can let the technology do the work so you can execute on the mission. And we are seeing that at agencies and leaders are talking about it. They're saying, hey, we, we decided we were going to, you know, trust some of this modern technology, go into some hybrid multi-cloud environments share data across our agency and we are being successful you know we are focusing more on the mission and delivering services to citizens rather than you know bickering about um you know who was who was responsible for the latest security incident so um what's it's been great to see people talking about that in the press senior leaders and also you mentioned before you know congress is putting out more and more not you know there's been policy and guidance for a long time but now it's coming with what helps and what matters and that is real money you know a billion dollars is, is more real than a million dollars in the government and so those are all signals that public sector leaders care about this that they expect agencies to be taking action and we are seeing um, the fruit of that and it's great to see uh, leaders out there talking about um, you know the good things that they're doing to uh, to deliver to citizens and and their constituents 
of course, you're, you're referring to the Technology Modernization Fund, which Congress approved a billion dollars in, and, and now it's the it's like a gold rush, right? It's the it's everyone saying, okay, how do I get my piece of it? So that's a whole conversation you and I could have separately away from this. Um, one of the big things that, that we want to make sure we hit upon is is as as agencies continue to live in this hybrid world, what are some of the big things they need to continue to think about? What what's on what should be on the front of their mind? Because we know hybrid cloud, hybrid models, multi-cloud approaches is not are not going to change anytime soon. So, so give me a sense of not just the takeaway from our conversation, but what, what's your advice in many ways? Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm gonna I'll probably touch on a couple of things we've already discussed, but this is kind of a summary. I, I always like to start with the people part. So I can, cannot emphasize this enough that it, we really need to be thinking of our workforce and not only upskilling the workforce that we have, but um, driving accountability, maybe making it part of people's performance, you know, and, and, and how they're doing on the job, how we're, how we're, um, how people can be successful. There has to be an element of data literacy. There has to be an element of just a baseline understanding of how technology empowers every person's mission, every person's job, uh, the way that they, the way that government delivers services to the, to the nation, to um, their stakeholders. Not everyone needs to be a data scientist. That's not what I mean, or a cloud engineer or a cloud architect, but it is way past time where it's okay for people to just say, I don't understand that IT stuff. I don't understand, you know, what cybersecurity is. We are in a different world now. We, I, I say that uh, it's like electricity at the turn of the century. If you didn't understand what electricity was, you could you know, stick your finger in the hole and kill yourself or kill someone. We're there now with data. And so leaders need to be thinking about everything that they do um, for their workforce, bringing data literacy into that conversation. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, love some analogies as, as you know about me, Jason, and um, back to security. Um, think of security as having brakes on your car, okay? Brakes on your car allow you to slow down when you need to, but they also allow you to go fast because you know you have the ability to slow down when you need to. They're, they're, security, again, is not just, it's not a super cool radio that you plug in because you want better sound. It is a safety mechanism, but it's also an enabler to allow you to go faster, do more, and then back off when you have to. And it just, it can't just be the responsibility of the IT people or the office of the CIO. It just absolutely cannot. Um, weapon systems, you know, food delivery systems, uh, healthcare delivery, all of that can be taken away like that if we aren't paying attention to security at every single step in process, policy, and, um, you know, and procedures across the agency. So those are two. And then finally, I have to talk about, have to mention data again, but it's true. Um, data strategy, I remember 10 years ago, when I was on the Navy CIO staff and, and I, um, I had the data strategy team and uh, we used to talk about, um, we got to figure out a way to make data strategy cool and sexy because nobody cares about it if we don't. And you know it was like boring policy stuff back then. But what we mean by data strategy is, especially when moving into the cloud, you can't just lift and shift your data into the cloud and then figure out later, oh wait, how are we going to manage it? How are we going to, who's looking at it end to end? And what are we going to do if there's a breach? The way that you manage that asset is what we mean by data strategy. The way that you control it and divvy it up and protect it and share it, that's data strategy. It's just how do you use the thing? Because that data strategy is gonna be important as you move forward into a more modern hybrid cloud environment. Because like you said, Jason, that is not going away. It shouldn't go away. In fact, there's gonna be some other new thing, you know, five or 10 years from now, and um, it's gonna be beyond cloud. 
Juliana, you give us a lot to think about. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So first, let me thank my guest. Juliana Vita is the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Always a pleasure to catch up. Thank you so much for your time, Juliana. Thanks, Jason. Likewise. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion on the road to multi-cloud and hybrid cloud success, managing security and complexity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Splunk. Thank you for listening to the discussion on the road to multi-cloud and hybrid cloud success, managing security and complexity, sponsored by Splunk on Federal News Network.